America. Friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the January 12th edition of the sunny side of sports. Morocco says it will not defend its title at the upcoming African Nations Championship football tournament because of a travel dispute with the host country, Algeria. In a statement Thursday, the Royal Moroccan Football Federation said it will not participate because its team is not allowed to fly directly from the Moroccan capital, Rabat, to Constantine, Algeria, where it was to play its first group match. Amid political tensions between the North African neighbors, direct flights were canceled in 2021. Now, the Moroccans have been threatening in recent days to pull out of the tournament, which is for players from the domestic leagues in Africa. Morocco has won the past two trophies at the competition, so this is a big blow for organizers. The Moroccans are coming off a historic run at the recent FIFA World Cup in Qatar, where they became the first African team to reach the semifinals. They were in Group C at the tournament in Algeria, along with Sudan, Madagascar, and Ghana. The African Nations Championship, or CHAN, officially kicks off Friday with a match between host Algeria and Libya. Sporting greetings. This is Chairman Christian Chukwu, former captain of National Team Green Eagles, former coach of Super Eagles, former coach of Kenya National Team, former coach of Safa of Lebanon. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Thank you. Thank you, Chairman. Six American referees are among 107 match officials selected to officiate at the 2023 Women's World Cup in Australia and New Zealand, which kicks off July 20th. The U.S. Soccer Federation says one of those selected is Catherine Nesbitt, who is described as one of the USA's most accomplished referees. Nesbitt was part of the Costa Rica-Germany match at the recent Men's FIFA World Cup in Qatar that featured an all-women crew for the first time in World Cup history. African match officials selected for this year's Women's World Cup are Vincentia Amadome of Togo, Bushra Karboubi of Morocco, Akono Makalima of South Africa, Salima Mukunsanga of Rwanda. Salima also officiated at the 2022 Men's World Cup in Qatar. Also selected for the 2023 Women's World Cup are Karina Atazambang Fomo of Cameroon, Diana Chikatesha of Zambia, Sukana Hamdi of Morocco, Fatia Jermoumi, also from Morocco, Fanta Kone of Mali, 
Mary Zeroge of Kenya, Quincy Victoria of Mauritius, and Adil Zorak of Morocco. Meanwhile, no Nigerian referees will officiate at the Women's World Cup. There were also no Nigerian refs at the Men's World Cup in Qatar. For reaction, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with a retired FIFA referee from Nigeria, Solomon Wokuma. It has been a thing of worry, not just to me as an individual alone, but to those of us in the FIFA family uh, who have a group where some of these issues are always reviewed and analyzed. We are not really happy because uh, Nigeria being regarded as giant of Africa in football and then seeing that uh, our referees are not really meeting up at the international standard. I've been a team of worry. So we are not really happy as an individual. I am not comfortable because uh, it also do not exonerate some of us. And the question has always been, so is, it, is there anything we are not doing well? Uh, why is it that we are not even the least person in the street who always want to make a caricature of it? In the past, Nigerian referees like Bolaji Okubole, Lino Samba, Sisi Chukujeku, and others were always invited by FIFA. In fact, they made the FIFA list in international football tournaments. And in recent times, no Nigerian referee has been invited to the scene. Some football analysts, some sports analysts think and even believe that there is something wrong. As a former FIFA referee, what's your take on this? Well, regrettably, you are correct. Uh, we had the likes of uh, Okubule, Lano Sumba, Sisi, Chukujeku, even up to the time of Imeri, who were sustaining uh, elite referees, both in CAF and FIFA. And you know, one of the challenges that one is not really easy to get to the elite class. You had to graduate from the young talent up to the early class and that will also depend on your performance and I also want to believe that that time the politicking was not as high or let me say personal interest was not as high as it is now uh, if I want to use a simple slogan in our political balance now uh, everybody want to apply what they call the Milokan it's my turn to help my people and uh, you now feel that the only way to compensate your people is by either seeing that one left and for one to go in, forgetting that uh, a continuation is the bedrock. You know, I've always said it. And that is why you're seeing. We don't have uh, people that have lasted so long in the league that has already gained the confidence and trust of these bodies now. That is one of our problems that you're seeing. Until we change our ways, it will really be happening. So it's really, on a personal uh, opinion, it has not been a healthy situation for me as an individual. Given the experience or the experiences you've had as a FIFA referee and what is happening in the country today, when I say what is happening, I mean Nigerian, not, Nigerian referees not being invited by FIFA or not being selected by World Football Governing Body officiate in some of these international markets. What should be done locally or even nationally 
what should be done to salvage this situation so that in future tournaments, the next World Cup in 2026, so that Nigerian officials can also make the list. Um, today, you, are, you can also see what is happening with our league. The issue of refereeing does not only depend on the referee himself alone. It also depends on the type of league you are running, because today everybody has an assessment base. So if your league is not on, where are you being assessed? At least we had in the last female uh, uh, walk-up, we had the like of Ndidimado. We have good referees, we have Mimisen, who just uh, came back from a uh, uh, female uh, uh, Cup of Nations, and she also officiated at the finals as AR. So we have qualified uh, female referees to make the list, I must say. Yeah, but what happened? They did not do bad in the last competition, so to say, that you think she could be dropped. No, she was okay. She officiated up to the quarters. So, and for your referee to officiate up to the quarters, then you have done well. So but you can see that she didn't make the list. So which means our league, first of all, must be revamped. You can see that up to now, Nigeria referees are stagnant or they're dormant because the assessment base is not going. Because in every match you do as a FIFA referee, your assessment is forwarded, and that form part of your grading. Therefore, now they can be seen as not, not having activities. So that is also on this one. Then, two, um, generally on our own side, as referee, we also try to do the best. First of all, we must see that uh, we push whoever that is there. And I just want to base my argument on. Uh, my good friend uh, from uh, Zambia that has the challenge at the, the Cup of Nations, that is Zani, Jani Sikawe. If you were to be Nigeria, Jani would have been retired at Cameroon. But you can see that even when Jani left Cameroon back to Zambia, the Federation stood by him, gave him all the necessary and medical support, invited FIFA to come for verification. And the same referee made the FIFA World Cup list. So that is a country that understands the politics in refereeing. Instead of dropping him, why not allow him to remain where he is so that order can come up and then follow up? So we must change our system. That's Solomon Wokama, a retired FIFA referee from Nigeria. And Solomon spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Mokoma Solomon Innocent, as FIFA International Referee of the Nigerian Football Federation. You are listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. VOA Africa is your trusted source for news, sports, entertainment, and music. Stay engaged with VOA Africa. We love to hear your voice. You can call us 24-7 on WhatsApp and leave a message. Leave comments, requests, or greetings. We may play your message on VOA Africa. Dial the international code PLUS1. Then 202-258-3076. VOA Africa is always happy to hear your voice. The number again is the international code plus one. Then 202-258-3076. 
two zero two two five eight three zero seven six. Turning to tennis, the draw has been announced for next week's Australian Open. Craig Gabriel reports from Adelaide, Australia. Many years ago, Roger Federer labelled the Australian Open the Happy Slam. The term is stuck. Players are able to get away from the Northern Hemisphere winter. There's still a festive attitude around, and the relaxed Aussie attitude is on show. And Rafa Nadal, Daniil Medvedev and Gael Monfils would also agree it's the Happy Slam. All their wives had babies after last year's Australian Open. Maybe in 20 years' time, they'll be witnessing something similar to today the draw for the Australian Open. Rafa Nadal and Novak Djokovic have been drawn in opposite halves of the draw, so no one should be asking either of them what it will be like to play the other. The only time that would be relevant is if they're both in the final. If the seedings work out, this is how the quarterfinals should look. In the men's, it would be Nadal against Daniil Medvedev, which was last year's final. Stefano Tsitsipas against Felix Onger Aliassim, Andre Rublev and Djokovic, and Taylor Fritz against Kasper Rudd. In the women's, it would be Igor Svantec against Coco Goff, Jessica Pegula would play Maria Sakari, Daria Kasatkina and Caroline Garcia would have a match, and Irina Sabalenka would be against Ons Jabeur. There is some popcorn first round matches like Rublev against 2020 finalist Dominique Thiem, and Matteo Berrettini plays Andy Murray, and in the women's, Sofia Kennan will be up against Vika Azarenka. In Adelaide, where things are reaching the climax, 21-year-old Brit Jack Draper has scored one of the best wins of his young career. He upset the third seed, Karen Hashinov, 6-4-7-6. By the way, Draper plays Nadal first round of the Open. Hometown fans were thrilled when title holder Thanasi Kokonakis reached the semis again, upsetting the sixth seed, Mirama Kismanovic, 6-3-6-7-6-1. And Victoria Kudametova beat last year's Australian Open finalist from five match points down. She overcame Danielle Collins, 3-6-7-6-6-4. Also winning were Paula Badosa and Daria Kasatina. Craig Gabriel, VOA Sports, Adelaide. Thanks, Craig. Craig mentioned the wives of Nadal, Medvedev, and Monfils having babies after the Australian Open. Well, here's a related story. Japanese tennis star Naomi Osaka has announced she's pregnant, and she says she will miss the entire 2023 season. Osaka is a four-time major champion. Writing on Twitter, Naomi said, and I quote, I realize that life is so short, and I don't take any moments for granted. Every day is a new blessing and adventure. And Osaka continues, I know that I have much to look forward to in the future. One thing I'm looking forward to is for my kid to watch one of my matches and tell someone, that's my mom. 2023 will be a year that'll be full of lessons for me. And Osaka says, I hope I'll see you guys at the start of the 2024 season. The 25-year-old Osaka has been dating the rap singer Corday since 2019. She recently withdrew from the upcoming Australian Open. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Wake up. 
Like to stay on top of new music trends? Breakout artists? New releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Voice of America! The Voice of America is once again a proud broadcasting partner of the Men's Basketball Africa League, or BAL, which tips off its third season in less than two months. BAL president Amadou Gallo Fall says like season two, season three will feature a caravan format with two conferences, the Sahara Conference and the Nile Conference. The Sahara Conference will play a 15-game group phase at the Dakar Arena in Senegal from March 11th to March 21st. The Nile Conference will also play a 15-game group phase at the Hassan Mustafa Indoor Sports Complex in Cairo, Egypt from April 26th to May 6th. The top four teams from each conference will advance to an eight-game single elimination playoffs and BAL finals at the BK Arena in Kigali, Rwanda from May 21st to May 27th. Meanwhile, the BAL says it will hold a two-day scouting event on Sunday, January 15th and Monday, January 16th in Paris. 30 players from Africa, Europe, the United States, and around the world are scheduled to participate. BAL president Amadou Gallo Fall says the league's goal is to attract top talent from Africa and around the world. He says the second BAL combine will allow the league's 12 teams to evaluate a wider pool of players of what promises to be a super competitive 2023 BAL season. The Basketball Africa League is a partnership between the International Basketball Federation, FIBA, and the National Basketball Association, the NBA. In NBA action Wednesday night, the Boston Celtics won their league-leading 30th game of the season. The AP's Greg Kadetsky reports from Boston, Massachusetts. Celtics guard Jalen Brown scored a season-high 41 as Boston defeated the New Orleans Pelicans 125-114. His teammate Jason Tatum added 31 points and 10 rebounds, but Brown led the Celtics to their fourth straight victory. I feel good you know, about a lot of the shots that I've taken from three. You know, some of them have went down, you know, some of them have. Um, but I definitely still think I'm going to look to get to the basket. A lot more for sure, uh, just for the remainder of the year. Pelicans guard C.J. McCollum had 38 points in defeat, but started by hitting his first six threes. Greg Kadetsky, Boston. Thanks, Greg. As I mentioned, the Celtics have the NBA's best record, 30 victories and 12 defeats. The team with the second best record is the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets won their 28th game of the season, 
rolling over the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday night. The AP's Bruce Morton reports from Denver, Colorado. The Nuggets took advantage of an undermanned opponent to blow out Phoenix 126-97. Denver coach Michael Malone is happy to point out his team has won 12 consecutive home games. Your home court has to have an advantage. Our fans have been terrific, and I just love how we're playing. I mean, like, once again, another good defensive performance that leads to our offense. The Suns were without seven players, four of them starters. Phoenix has lost seven of eight. For the Nuggets, Nikola Jokic and Bones Highland were each game high with 21 points. Bruce Morton, Denver. Thanks, Bruce. With more NBA results, here's the AP's John Letherby. In the nation's capital, Kyle Kuzma had a game-winning three. That negated a 38-point performance from the Bulls' Zach Levine as the Wizards edged Chicago 197. John Morant with 38 points, the Grizzlies topping the Spurs 135-129. The other Wednesday winners in the association, the Pistons, Kings, Knicks, and the Bucks. College Hoops' Marcus Sasser had a career-high 31 points. As top-ranked Houston improved to 17-1, and they beat South Florida 83-77. Sasser says he felt the need to step up his game against a tough opponent. Just being a senior, senior on the team, being a leader, um, I kind of didn't seen it all, you know. Um, I seen the momentum that they had. When you got good teammates that really just trust you with the ball and feel like you can change the game. You don't do nothing but really get you confidence. Lamar Jackson didn't practice Wednesday, leaving his start against Cincinnati this weekend in doubt. He's been sidelined since week 13 with a knee injury. I'm John Leatherby. Thanks, John. In U.S. women's college basketball, Maria Gakdeng is earning accolades for Boston College. Maria has strong ties to South Sudan. In this encore sunny side of sports presentation, VOA's Nabil Biagio tells us more. Maria's parents migrated to the United States in 1999, fleeing a civil war in then southern Sudan and persecution by the Khartoum government in the north. The country would later split into Sudan and South Sudan. Although Maria played basketball at the national level in high school, her mother, Matilda Real, says her pride reached its peak when her daughter was accepted into Boston College last year, where she now plays for the Eagles. To be accepted, uh, to have her education in a prestigious college like Boston College is a, is, is a dream come true. So I am very proud as an immigrant to have that opportunity for her. Last year, the six foot four, eighteen year old led the Eagles in blocks at seventy three, rebounding at six point three, and field goal percentage at fifty eight point three percent, the first in the nation among all freshmen and fifteenth overall in blocks. She also broke the single season program record for blocks and was named ACC Freshman of the Week five times. But her coach, Joanna McNamee, says it's not just the records that make Maria stand out. Beyond the records, what makes Maria special is her mentality when it comes to hard work. She's willing to work hard and she's very humble. And even as a freshman, when she came in and started as a freshman for us in the ACC and broke the fresh uh, freshman block records here and made the all-rookie ACC team. She, she accepted all of the awards with so much grace and humbleness. Maria's recipe for success on the court is simple, hard work. I think it's been like a long time coming and I've, I've worked for it for so long, so I just think that 
a product of like what I've been working on for the past couple of years, even throughout high school, to making sure I was always like getting in the gym and working a high school that played a national level. So just challenging myself from an early age, I, I think that helped me be as successful as I am and then just keep climbing the ladder. Real says although her daughter was born in the United States, she raised her and her older brother by instilling the South Sudanese culture in them. A lot of her journey is uh, driven by the South Sudanese culture. My parents were big supporters of education. And since they were little, my children, they eat mula combo, they uh, go to uh, Sudanese functions, Sudanese community. It has been a big part of our life. And even though she's never been to South Sudan, Maria says she feels a strong connection to her parents' homeland and carries that with her every time she steps onto the court. I think a lot of pride in being like the daughter of people from South Sudan. I think that it's important to know where you come from and your culture. And they have, they've, they've taught me a lot about like where I was from, even though I've never been back to South Sudan. They, ta- they teach me a lot about the, the importance of where I'm from and like family. Rial says she's grateful to call the United States her second home because of the opportunity it has given her and Maria. I want her to have the future that I didn't have, to have the opportunities that I didn't have. And I always tell Maria that there's nothing that's impossible for her to reach. So what's next for Maria? She has her eyes set on playing professional basketball in the Women's National Basketball Association or WNBA League. Some of the goals that I have in mind are like playing in the WNBA, you know, working to that, working towards that. Like besides like if sports, you know, sports are always going to be there. So I just think that taking on a role in like the health profession um, would be like a goal of mine. So just like kind of figuring out what I want to do um, profession wise um, besides basketball. Coach McNamee believes Maria has a bright future both on and off the court. I, I believe that she'll be a player that can play professionally basketball, both. Uh, I hope that she has the opportunity to play here in the United States in the WNBA, and then also play overseas. And then academically, she's working hard in the classroom, and I think that I could see Maria being a boss and a CEO one day when, when that time comes, when the ball stops bouncing and she stops playing. For VOA News, I'm Nabil Biagio in Washington. the sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA sunny sports. Also, we've moved our programs to voaafrica.com. There you'll find the sunny side of sports and some of your other favorite VOA programs and much more. For world news, go to voanews.com. 
finally, let's give a sunny side of sports birthday salute to former heavyweight champion Smokin' Joe Frazier, who was born on this day back in 1944. Smokin' Joe passed on November 7, 2011. One of my biggest sporting thrills was meeting Smokin' Joe twice, once in Washington and once at his gym in Philadelphia. Rest in power, Smokin' Joe Frazier. the January 12th edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. VOA Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. <laughs>